Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers. Bye, writers. To keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Nick. I'm Will. And I'm Brent. Awesome, we did it. Woo, yeah, new intro. We did a thing. <laughs> I might actually leave that in. Anyway, uh, welcome to episode 55. How's everybody doing? Uh, we have a lot going on, dude. We have a lot happening with the podcast, I feel like, going forward. So maybe we should talk about that before we get into this uh, chapter six of Mastering Plot Twist. What do you think about that? I think that's a great idea. So why don't you start it off, Brent? Ha, let's start <laughs> off with me. Just um, like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a lot going on, actually. Um, I guess first things first, I just had a novella announcement from Neon Hemlock Drop. So Woo! next year. We're all yeah. clapping. Appreciate it. Um, next year, October 2022, it should... I'm saying October. Let me backtrack. It's fall 2022. So it may be in October, November, December-ish. Um, cool. Yeah. So that's exciting. Uh, FireCon is has just announced its guest of honor. So I'm going to get the chance to talk to um, some cool people. So that's that's interesting. Um, I'm kind of intimidated because these are some heavy hitters, but yeah, it should be fun. What who else who are, are those guests of honors? Are you guys are you <laughs> so um, publicly announcing uh, that Vita? Oh yeah, no, we announced. It. Yeah, we announced it. Um, we announced it yesterday. So um, Vita is a great comic artist. Um, currently, actually, they just got announced as the writer of the new Static Shock comic coming out. So mm-hmm. um, oh, cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they also are working on something X Men related. I need to look, but yeah, they basically they they've they've done all kind of stuff. Um, they are Afro uh, Puerto Rican and they are gender queer. So yeah, it's awesome to have like that representation at the con. Um, then we have Nigiri, and uh, she is a booktuber out of Nigeria. Like awesome, awesome. Booktube channel, like just quality across the board. And um nice. our last uh guest is uh Malka, uh Daniel's uh sister, actually. So um yeah, yeah. She's she's awesome. Like gosh, she's so smart. I've talked to her already outside of the uh, like, you know, just in general. And Jesus Christ, she's so smart. So I don't know how I'm gonna handle that conversation, but <laughs> I'll figure it out. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, oh, that's um that's our free corner. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'll be all right. But yeah, those are three guests of honor. So just um, still steady working on that. And uh, also, I am managing the social media for this game uh, called Story Engine for this month. I basically got uh, hit up by the creator of it to run his social media for a month because I was pretty enthusiastic about it on Twitter and a whole bunch of people bought it. And um, so he was like, hey, you want to run the social media for a month? <laughs> And I was like, yeah, why not, I guess. And um, so I just got done doing an event tonight with uh, Kwame. Uh, he's the author of uh, Tristan Strong, a really popular middle grade series. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a busy month for me. And that's, and that's awesome, man. And I'm, I'm excited. I ordered my Story Engine uh, game today, so I'm stoked to see what it's all about. Um, I, I haven't dived into because I know there's a digital component, too. I haven't dived into it yet, but... I'm I'm excited and uh, I'm I'm stoked to see all the things you're doing, man. And I, and we like having you around. So 
as long as we're not impeding your schedule too much, we'll, 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 we're going to keep you as much as we can. As busy as you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Uh, speaking of being busy, should we talk about what uh, the next episode is going to be really quick? Just as a little teaser. <laughs> yes. Do it, Marshall. Tell <laughs> us about our next episode dropping. So the next episode after this is going to be a... I don't want to say not an experiment per se, but it is a spinoff of this show a bit. Um, and it's Brent and myself and we are, we sit down with Nia Davenport and we basically do the first episode of just keep writing. Uh, we're calling it just keep writing while black. And we're going to talk about issues about publishing, um, uh, as a, as a, you know, person of color, um, black specifically. And, um, we had an amazing conversation we recorded the other day. So that'll be coming out. That'll be episode 56. Um, so, uh, I can't wait to see what, uh, what, you know, what people think about it. So do you have, what did, what did you think, Brent? Uh, no, nah, I loved it. I'm glad we did it. Um, I mean, Nia, me and have been friends for years. So like, it was just great giving her, um, some public space to kind of like discuss her journey and, and kind of show like other writers what it looks like trying to break into the industry. Yeah. And she's awesome. We had, we had such a kick-ass conversation. It was a lot of fun. So I can't wait for you guys to hear that. Throwing it over to Will and Nick. What else we got going on on social media or anything like that? Or should we just get into the episode? What do you think? I'd say let's get into the episode. Sounds good to me. I'm, I'm going to ignore Nick too. So here we go. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, look, I'm happy to give my two cents on any episode you guys do. I come I from a different perspective on it. I'm really happy we're doing it. Because it's definitely a needed area um, in which, you know, to give black creators that space to talk. Um, awesome. So I, I'm very happy that we're doing it and I'm learning. So good. And I hope, uh, I, hope I hope more people learn. And that's that's what that's why we're here. Right. Sort of. Maybe. Well, I think the thing is with those episodes, it's not it's yes, people are going to learn from it, but it's more important. That that's not the point of it. People have space, you know. Mm-hmm that is specifically towards black authors and they get the highlight of, you know, their work, which isn't really happening as much as it should be. So if we can create a space here on the show and really talk about issues that, you know, are specific to black authors, then um, we should do it. That's, that's our job as a podcast and a community. Exactly. Sounds good. Yeah. I'm excited for everybody to hear it. So let's get into it. Uh, Will, I'm going to turn it over to you. We're getting into chapter six, right? Yep. You're going to use your TRDs to control pace. So we're going to go over um, the phrase plot twist uh, in the broad term referring to three specific plotting techniques. And we talked about this on the episodes for the book. Um plot twists are something unexpected and intri- intriguing, but not the opposite. Plot reversals are something unexpected and intriguing intriguing and the opposite. And moments of heightened danger is something unexpected and intriguing and fraught with real potential, imagined physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual risk. That sums up the TRDs. The TRDs must simultaneously surprise the reader, increase tension, reveal pertinent information about either the characters, the story, or both. You know, they're basically the workhorses of the story, and they propel the story forward through action, dialogue, and description. The TRDs will also support another writing imperative, 
their placement within your short story or your novel is going to control the story's pace. Can I say something about this? You may. Real quick. Um, I'm sorry, you didn't raise your hand. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Those of you not benefiting from the video feed, I raised my hand. So I raised my hand. So the the point is, I I thought this was really interesting because this is something that we talked about in another group too, about the TRDs from the last chapter and expanding it and making sure that it deals with pace. This chapter does a really good job. If you're having pace problems um, specifically is adjusting the TRDs and how that, and then how that, when that occurs, really changed my mindset on how I made a digital version of her plot uh, deal from the chapter before. Um, but it really just the, the physicality of moving those things around and changing where they occur and change and, and affecting the pace, I thought was really interesting. So I know we're going to dive into it a little bit more, but I just think just as far as um, an eye opener thing for me, that really was a big deal. For sure. Um, so, you know, this is going to be about like, there's three different types of, we would say like pacing, there's leisurely, there's steady, and then there's fast, right? So I think all of us can agree that like literary fiction tends to be a little bit more leisurely. It's a little bit more kind of just hanging out with the characters, you know, and kind of almost waiting for something to happen. Um the Goldfinch brings to mind that won the Pulitzer a few years ago, which personally I didn't like. Um, but, um, you know, it did move at a slower pace and then ramp up. Um, can anyone uh, give examples of like leisurely, steady, or a fast-paced novel that they've read? Any of the three? Yeah, any of the three. As far as leisurely goes, um, most, I, honestly, I'm teaching... Um, the great Gatsby right now with my 11th graders. Um, that's a really good example of leisurely. Um, it's a character story, right? The character, you know, the main character, the narrator is Nick and he's interacting with these people and not a whole lot happens. A lot of people describing parties and things are happening. Um, and eventually something happens at the end. I don't want to, I mean, it's not really a spoiler, but you know, it ramps up a little bit at the end, but really, and I know my students have a hard time with this. Um, there's not a whole lot happening. But again, a lot of times with literary fiction, it is a, it's a character story and you spend a lot of time with that character and the pace is slower. So that would be my example would be, uh, something like the great Gatsby. Brent, do you have any, um, yeah, um, I can think of a fast paced one. I just read, um, ring shout by P jelly Clark. Uh, it was really fast paced. It kept a high tempo the whole time. And, it had a lot of those TRDs coming at you really fast. And Nick, what do you, uh, can you think of any like leisurely steady or fast? I'm actually pulling up my book list, uh, that I just got done with. Um, see if there's anything recently I read that's going to stick out to mind. I don't want to shout out too many of the same author over and over again. So trying to be unique here, guys. Can I throw a new one out there? Because of Will, I'm reading. I'm almost done with this book that I love that mm-hmm. he's been trying to get me to read for a while. Yeah. Um, you didn't. I didn't. I intentionally didn't give you my feedback on Six of Crows. Um, I've got like just the very back end of it to finish. I'm very close to the end. Uh, I read most of it over the weekend, but uh, I would say that is a steady pace. But there are moments, certainly moments of fast pace, um, and I think this is 
um, really an important th- distinction on how science fiction and fantasy changes pace throughout the the story as well. Um, it's a heist, essentially, is what's happening in in Six of Crows. And so, in the beginning, definitely a steady pace. You 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 get multiple POVs, um, but that pace definitely ramps up when the stu- when all of the uh, characters are interacting. And especially when they get close, and I'm not done with it, right at the very end of it. But, um, but when you get towards the heist part, I mean, it's boom, 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 and all those TRDs are happening in rapid succession, and it's it's badass. That book's amazing, really cool. Um, for me, I I have two other ones. Um, one of the most fast paced uh, books I've read was um, Intensity by Dean Koontz, which is. Um, Almost, it's about a killer basically that happens in a short period of time. That uh, while Dean Koontz has some um, formulaic um, ideas, um, that is like incredibly fraught throughout the whole entire thing, and you have surprise after surprise. Um, another book that I found to be steady is um, Air of Fire by Sarah J. Ma- Mass, which is like the third book in our Throne of Glass series. Um, that one is very steady and at points really fast paced, which I find really interesting. Um, so yeah. You took one of mine, Will. <laughs> I did? Which one did I take? Man, I was gonna use I was gonna use City of Bones, the first book in that series, for a steady one. Oh no, that's um, that's not Sarah J. Mass, that's Cassandra Clare. Oh, did I mix up the series? Yes, so my series is totally separate. You have Cassandra Clare. My bad. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm going with City of Bones for a steady pace by Cassandra Clare, um, the mortal mortal instrument. Um, and then also, I feel, and you can correct me on this one if I'm incorrect, Will, because I know you've read this one for sure, but Infinity Sun by Adam Silvera. Silvera. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it was a very steady paced book as well, um, with moments of being a fast pace, like Marshall just described earlier, um, with Six of Crows, where there's moments where it picks up really quick, but it kept, yeah, it was kept pretty steady for me. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of the things that we've been reviewing, um, are going to have more of a steady pace or a fast pace, depending on the book. Um, I would say, yeah, that's, I think those are the examples I'll give for this one. Cause I have examples for some other stuff. Um, so it's tempting to think that fast pace is always ideal, but that's not really always the case. Um, some readers prefer a slower pace. And of course the conventions of some genres demand a slower pace, which an example is like literary novels, which are uh, character driven, um, where, you contrast that with a thriller, which is very plot driven. Um, And then thrillers tend to be follow a faster, more electrifying pace. Go ahead, Marshall. So I know that we're trying to to steer away from TV shows and stuff right now, and I don't want to open up a whole deal right now, but I, I, I feel like this conversation super, you know, is perfect to transition into, into TV shows. And right now my wife and I are watching the crown. That is a slow paced, show if i can describe a slow paced show but the writing is solid the 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 history events are important but it is a leisurely a leisurely plot i'll tell you that much <laughs> but um it's not that it's boring 
But at the same time, it's a character study that that show. So I, I would put that kind of in the literary category of TV shows if, if to go off what you were saying. Yeah. And I think all of that also comes down to the medium, right? So when you think of the crown, you're thinking more of an adult driven um, drama show, right? So in a lot of the books we've, in the books that we've read, we've had adult fast paced. We've, I mentioned a literary, the goldfinch, and then a lot of the young adult that we've mentioned has been between steady and fast paced. Okay. And there's actually a great little um, chart in the book on page 129 and 130 to 131 that kind of goes over of like where the TRDs can happen. Um, I don't really want to go over it that much because I think it's something that people need to visually have. And there's other things that we can really talk about, which what I'm really talk, what I'm really um, excited to talk about tonight is about deconstructing novels that you're reading by analyzing um, expectations. So when you're going to analyze TRDs and pacing, you want to approach it uh, with an open mind. You want to ask yourself whether everyone would perceive it as you do. So a good example they give in the book is if two guys come in with guns drawn, well, that's likely to be perceived as a moment of heightened danger by just about anyone. However, few situations are that black and white. If I show a man strutting, for instance, some people will perceive him as a man on a mission. Others will assume he was a, has a bad attitude or is insecure. While strutting evokes a specific image, the reason someone struts is open to interpretation. Establishing your character's personality, characteristics, and motivations clearly in your reader's mind before you insert a TRD ensures that they'll perceive that TRD the way you intend them to. And I want to open this up to Brent and Marshall um, because I also want to talk about expectations of characters because when we get into characters that are maybe not like what the reader is expecting, you know, I think that can also change the perception. Thoughts on that? Yeah, do you want want to go first, Brent? Um, So do you mean more so like if the character is from like a marginalized community or I think if you see, say for example, you see two characters drawn, you know, with their guns out. Right. Um, and there, this is a new, like this is something new to the scene. You know, what are some characteristics that might lead people to think one is bad or one is good? Like how can we make those uh, definable? Okay. So I would say, what are they wearing necessarily? Um, mm-hmm. Like, for instance, if if they if they're dressed in like cop uniforms and they're going into, uh, you know, into like a, a coffee shop or something like the in, the automatic assumption isn't going to be that they're going in there to shoot people up unless that coffee shop was a black owned coffee shop. Then perceptions might be different. <laughs> So it, it, it kind of, I, I think it kind of depends on how you set it up, like how, how you set it up in terms of um, what information you give. So if you just say, cause yeah, cause if it, it well, if it's two women strutting in with a gun, it's going to have a very different vibe to it. So I think it's, um, it's about 
it's about providing information, but also knowing who your audience is and how they will perceive things. And either you're going to lean into their perceptions or you're going to challenge their perceptions. And I think that's where plot reversals come in, especially is like you're challenging a perception. To expand on what Brent was saying too, I think what what's important is setting up the scene and the characters in a way so that the twists or reversals or whatever works. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think that's the, that's what I think Brent is getting at is this, this whole idea of it, it it's context matters. Right. If it, like he said, if two cops walk in and it's a black owned coffee shop in, in a, um, you know, in an, in an urban setting, that's different than, um, you know, two cops walking into a, a, you know, a white owned cafe in suburbia. Right. I mean, it, 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 so when the twist or the reversal comes, it matters. Context matters in that case. And I think that's something that people need to take into account too, to make those TRDs actually land and work. Does that make sense? Yes. So the example that she uses is if I depict a boss as arrogant, for example, no one will be surprised if she acts in an arrogant manner. If she threatens to fire someone for something that she perceives as a personal slight, most people won't be surprised. So it's neither a twist nor a reversal. If I position the boss as a pussycat, though, and when she fires someone for something that she perceives as a personal slight, it's completely unexpected. That will be perceived as either a twist or a reversal. In other words, TRDs will only work if they align with whatever reader's expectations have been established. It's like, it's, it like goes back to what Brent was saying and, you know, what you were also saying, you know, Marshall about like perception and how we're setting up these characters to make sure that we're, you know, the twists and the reversals and the heightened danger comes in. Uh, to go, to go back to something really quick too. Um, those of you that actually have this book, um, you know, we'll mention figure 6.2. I think what's interesting is to find the genre um, that you're writing and, and look and see what she says about the implications of pacing. But the other thing I thought was really cool about this chart is it says the expected word counts as well. And, and I think it's a nice kind of cheat sheet for, I don't want to say beginning writers or aspiring writers or whatever, but like it, it, it's all out there, right? It's the pace you should have and the word count and match up with the genre. And it's just a really nice visual. So definitely check that out as well. So I think what we can do is um, there is a chart that I think um, Nick can actually read over. Um, you got this, Nick. Oh, I'm being tapped in to do something. What chart? It's um, 133. It's 6.4. So I think you should um, break down. So this is when you're analyzing uh, your work. So what I would say to everyone, and especially for anyone on our Discord who wants to do this with me with a book, um, what you're doing is you're basically creating the premise for the novel that you're reading, right? And you're going to list the page number aware about um, a T, R, or D starts, right? So Nick, do you want to read the premise of um, um, figure 6.4? Yeah, I will go ahead and read that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being awkward. Um, so the pr- the premise of this states, 
an apparently happy, happily married couple, each of whom came to the marriage with heavy emotional baggage and unrealistic expectations, goes on vacation with their young son. Okay, so what you're going to notice is on page five of this story that we're explaining, um, Violet, who sees herself as happily married, returns to her hotel room and discovers her husband, Finn, and son, Bear, have been vanished. Now, is that a T, an R, or a D? And the thing is, it's an R, because it's a reversal from what the premise is, an apparently happily married couple. Okay? Now, we go to the next one. On page 29 of this book, Finn and Bear break into Caitlin's house. Caitlin is Violet's best friend, a woman she met through Finn. Is this- What? <laughs> is this a T, an R, or a D? Right? And it's a T because it's a twist. And the pages since the last TRD is 24 because the first TRD we saw was on page five. So as you go through this, these are the things you're going to look for in the story that you want to model your book after. Um, what did everyone think of like going through this chart and looking at the way that? Um, you know, Jane is like looking for the TRDs and pages since. Did it make you think of like work that you've read or work that you're writing of how you want to kind of pace things? Brent, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah. So with um, with this, I, I well, I'll just say like this was my favorite chapter so far because I feel like this is the most useful thing to me personally. Um, it makes me think of. Rage of Dragons and Fires of Vengeance by Evan Winters and how fast the pacing on that those two books were. He he is a master at these. Like he kept them coming at you, but um it never felt like it it, it was probably like the most breakneck fantasy I've ever read, but it never felt like it never felt badly written. And um I uh, attended a talk he had with uh Brent Weeks and he mentioned how like with every scene that he writes he makes sure that scene is doing triple duty so it's doing three things it's not just doing one thing and and that's kind of like how he keeps his pace up and like just looking at this chart I was like I kind of want to go back through his book now and like use this chart to figure out what how he structured his pacing because I really enjoyed the way he paced his books so it's something I want to model. So just seeing this, I was like, yeah, this is perfect. And uh, can I go next? Of course you can. <laughs> just to expand on that though, too. I, I agree, uh, Brent, this chapter is amazing. And w- for a couple reasons, one, the visual of seeing the visual of pacing and how the pacing and, and how the TRDs are used um, is amazing. And if, and, and again, like you just said, Brent, if there is a book that you, like the pace of, and you want your book to model that pace, actually taking this chart and plugging and rereading that text and coming through and marking all those TRDs. And, and I don't want to spoil the probably towards the end when we get to that will, but there's a really cool teaching thing that happens in this chapter too. But I think actually being able to see it on the page and adjusting the pace based on page number and how long it's been since the last TRD, I think is um, a really cool exercise in working on, dialing in your pacing uh, in whatever you're working on. Yeah, I'm just going to kind of piggyback off Marshall there. 
Because um, if you look at this table, uh, well, figure 6.4 and 133, it does go over, it goes through the whole book. And if you notice, compared it to the very beginning of the chapter, as I flip through it, on figure 6.1, it kind of, you know, it lets you know leisurely, steady, or fast-paced books um, and how often a TRD occurs. But according to this figure and this exercise, it's not precise, right? So you can see just based on when, you know, when the last TRD was on places where it picks up in the book. And it's uh, to me, since you're going to see, you know, where, you know, towards the middle, they pick up and then right at the very end, it picks up really quick. Um, things like that. So I think it's a good exercise to see exactly how pacing can be done correctly. Yes. I think um, that is really true. So now what I am going to challenge the three of you is to, since especially Brent said this was like his favorite part of the chapter because he found it really useful. Um, When next we meet, you know, go through some of your own work you know, and see how long you had a twist or reversal or heightened danger and how varied it was. And did it help you see lags in maybe the middle? I think this is something that can really be used of when things are just lagging, like it's not as exciting and it's kind of boring that you can look back at it and like count how many you've had and be like, oh my gosh, this is why it's so boring or it's not really moving is because I haven't had a plot twist or reversal or a heightened moment of danger for like 55 pages. And I'm looking at this and I'm looking at this example too. And uh, towards the the front of the chart on 6.4, the longest time without a TRD is 52 pages. And that was like page 50 to 104. And then there's another lag uh, from 173 to 213. So it would be really interesting. I've never read the story, but it'd be interesting to see what's going on in that text to warrant how, why there are chunks of, you know, 40 to 50 pages of without a TRD, right? The pace obviously is slowing down there. And then you can see, like Nick was saying towards the end, it's four pages, four pages, six pages, 10, two, like it, it, you can literally see the pace picking up just by identifying how long it's been since the last one. Right. And I would also, what I would do um, is I would think of the book that you've written and think of your comps that you're going to send to your editor, your agent, or to query it, right? Compare, Mm -hmm. if you read one of those books that you're comping, right? Read it through, um, start notating like the page number um, and the TRD, whether it's a T and R and a D, okay? And go throughout the whole entire book right? And then look at your own work and do that whole entire same formula. Note the page number where you're at in the story and if it's a T, an R, or D, right? And see if you're getting the same amount or similar pacing. And if it's not, then you want to ask yourself, is the pacing similar to the books that I'm comping or that I'm thinking that I want this to be? I mean, what does everyone think about that? Brent, you want to start? Yeah, no, I think that's an excellent idea. Um, and especially once you start querying and you are thinking about comps and whatnot, you do want to make sure that your comps are as 
comparable as possible. It's 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 I mean it's very complex beyond just pacing, obviously, but you know, getting that pacing down and having it comparable is is huge because you don't want to comp an adult fantasy book that you're comping to say uh Daniel Jose Older's Urban Fantasy, and it reads more like Gillian Flynn's uh, literary fiction. Like you, that's not going to be. You're not going to be marketable. So I think that's something the book mentions as well. Is that if what the industry is looking for, they want to make sure that you do fit in certain boxes because that's how they're going to market your book. That's how they're going to get people to sell your book. And bookstores want to be able to pinpoint in easy ways, like why someone should buy your book or what about your book is going to be interesting. And pacing is part of that. Like they want to be able to say, this is a fast paced fantasy, pick it up. Or this has the pacing of a Regency novel, pick it up. Like, you know, you want to, um, you want to do that. And, and, and you can, you can play with those expectations, but you gotta, you gotta know the thing with anything with writing, you have to know enough of the basics before you can, play and and do interesting things like a book i just read that kind of plays on expectations in terms of pacing is um which mark which mark is for the world that it's set in it's a regency world regency england totally not my thing totally not something i would think i would read but it's paced like a fast-paced fantasy novel and mm-hmm. i was completely sold on it because of the pacing so it, it's important. I, I think you, when you're um, thinking about when you're getting to the point of querying, you do want to consider that in terms of like what you're going to comp. Nick, do you have anything you want to add? Uh, I, I wouldn't say I have anything to add, to be honest with you. Brent kind of nailed that one, and I'm still doing a lot of learning myself. So I'm taking this <laughs> this chapter in as a uh, I'm bookmarking this chapter for when I uh, I'm ready to analyze my own work um, with this stuff. I do think it's a great exercise, Um, but I'm not quite there yet because when it comes to the editing phase, there's still things I kind of fail on to where I don't think this would be good for me to try just yet. Marshall. And I'll, and I'll, I'll kind of take what Brent said and, and, and add one more thing too. I like that. And I was going to bring that up earlier. I'm glad you remember to bring it up. Brent is about the genres as far as, what genre your story fits in. Like it was something that I've been meaning to kind of chat with you guys about too, because if you have a, you know, a fantasy slash sci-fi, is that something that's really a thing? Does it have to fit into one or the other to make sure that it's on the bookshelf? Do you know, you know what I'm saying? Um, And so with this talking about comp titles, like Brent was saying, if your comp title is something fast paced, you know, looking at this chart, looking at the genre and then figuring out, okay, what genre does it fit in? Um, I think that's something to always keep in mind when you're, when you're writing, but to add to this too, um, just to switch over towards, towards the back end of this chapter. Um, I like the, on page 138, it talks about TRDs that can change lives. It's something that if I were to teach creative writing, I think I would do a unit on this because I think it might be, even if I'm not teaching creative writing, I do this in my English classes too, but teaching them what a TRD is and make it like, and and like this person was saying, it's like a scavenger hunt for students. And it will not only help, it'll help their writing. They'll be able to identify this when they're reading and then also um, make something 
entertain more something that if I'm teaching high school English, right? Like I, like I am, um, reading is not something that they're chomping at the bit to do, but if you give them something that's somewhat compelling to do, like identifying TRDs, that might actually be a way for them to engage in the text. I just thought that was kind of a nice touch on top of, um, doing this with your own work, but also, um, if, if you're talking to your, you know, if you have younger, if you have kids that are resistant to read or students, if you're a teacher and that kind of thing, that might be something to um, intrigue them to engage with the text a little bit more. So I thought that was kind of cool too. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we wrap this up, you know, um, to remember that people who select books from a certain genre expect various aspects of the story to be presented in a certain way, including the pace and style of TRDs. You want to be certain you've considered the factors in making your decisions. Um, I think another thing to really talk about is to, um, no one should feel obligated to eliminate all back-to-back occurrences, a twist followed by another twist. Um, nor should you assume that you need to maintain a certain balance of twists, reversals, or moments of heightened danger. Your story and your people should dictate whether you insert a twist, a reversal, or a moment of heightened danger, not any artificial standard superimposed over your plot. The more variety you have in your TRD placement is the better. So I think that's like a really big thing for everyone to take away from this. Use this as a guide and as a tool to help you in a way that maybe if you're struggling or you feel like it needs to be, you know, something needs to happen or you're having a lagging middle. I think, you know, I think this is with any writing advice, like take things with a grain of salt and use what helps you and let go of what doesn't. Yeah. And, and just to add one more thing to that, as far as if you have a sagging middle or whatever in your text, doing this exercise with just, with just a chunk of your book might help you bring the pace up or slow it down if you need to, depending on the type of story you're writing. So I think that's another, another good use. You don't have to do this with your entire book, but if you're having, if you're struggling with something, looking at a section of it and identifying the TRDs might be helpful for sure. Any other last thoughts there team, before we wrap it up? Um, Nick and then Brent. Brent has something to say. Okay, we'll go to Brent first. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. He had his hand up digitally, so I want to acknowledge that. Yeah, Nick was up for hands was up for a while. All right, go ahead, Nick. All right, go, Nick. Will Will called on me and I put my hand down. Uh, okay. 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 Thanks, Marshall. I was I thought sorry. I thought I saw it and then it was gone. <laughs> I turn away from the screen for a second. Continue. <laughs> yeah, no, I just wanted to point out that even though we went over one example, um, but there's actually two different case studies that they go through in this book. One's a political thriller. The other is a middle grade fantasy that they go over. Um, so I think it's important to kind of do this with the genre that you're writing in right now and, and go over it. There is a blank template on page 149, figure 6.11 um, that you can use um, on it. And so just keep that in mind. If you do have the book, you have that template right then and there. I'm glad you pointed that out, Nick. That's a that's a really good tool. I'd like a digital version of that, honestly, but I could make that myself. Okay, Brent, what were you gonna say? Yeah, so um, this is something I was kind of thinking about, and the book didn't necessarily mention it, but I think maybe because what I'm about to suggest is a maybe a little higher level. But I would just challenge you if you're whatever genre you're writing in, think about the common TRDs that exist in that genre. Like there are certain TRDs that are very specific to certain genres, like the evil brother betraying the king. 
are the best friend revealed as the actual person pulling the strings or something like, you know, um, I think by knowing the certain TRDs that occur frequently within whatever genre you're writing in, you can learn how to subvert those. You can learn how to um, play with them, but play with them uniquely in your own way. And yeah, I, I would just, you know, challenge you to do that as well. I mean, once you've mastered what this book says and then, you know, you could kick it up a notch. But that was just something I was thinking about as I was sitting here. I think, you know, to Brent's point, too, is that I think, um, you know, yeah, that's something you should constantly be thinking of. Because when you're after you finish your first draft, I'd say, especially um, look at what's tropey or that you've seen that all the time and then think of the TRDs and be like, okay, how can I actually make this more interesting or, you know, more um, dangerous? You know, Um, I think that's a really great tool to use, especially after you've done your first draft, you know, you've got basically word vomited and gotten everything out. That's a really great way to look at it too. (laughs) Absolutely. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias, and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing. (laughs) 